Dear friends, it's great to be with you on this sunny Sunday. I don't know what's more shocking, that we've completed two weeks of homeschooling and lockdown. I've still got hair left at this point. Or the fact that it's April already and we've crashed through the first part of the year into the second quarter. But hopefully through that you're finding a new flow and you're finding time to connect with God and go deeper. Maybe your only hope this week has been to find toilet paper. Whatever that has been this week, I hope you are well. One of the things that would be great is if that you've connected to a midweek group. If you haven't done that yet, the groups are remaining open, so you can head over to the website and sign up. There's still time. So at the start of April, we're kicking off with a new series called I Am. And this series, I Am, is a great follow-on from the last series we did called More Than A Name. And if you missed that series, I recommend going onto the website and finding the podcast. We looked at who God said he was when he revealed himself to Moses in Exodus. The Lord, the Lord compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to the thousands. The I Am series continues to remind us who God says he is. And this is a way for us to continue in our obedience to the Lord, to conform the pattern of our life towards our God, the compassionate and gracious one. Not because I think there's this bunch of conforming rules, but because it's just wonderful to be swept up in union with him, to become all that we're created to be and to live in the fulfilment of the life that he has promised for us as his disciples. So if you've got your Bible with you this morning, please turn with me in the New Testament to the book of John. As you turn to John, we're going to be looking at chapter 15, and we're going to start in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you may bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. In this passage, Jesus gives what I think is a key way to follow him and flourish as a human being, especially in environments of crisis not just now, but for our future selves. And Jesus is describing a really clear system. If we plug into him, if we abide in him, he will abide in us. And in that abiding, 
fruit will be produced, glorious fruit. And so Jesus uses the analogy from a gardening perspective, a cultivating one, and and that particularly the growing of vines that produce grapes. There's a whole production that goes into this process. You can't simply just plant a vine and go. There's watering, there's tending, there's pruning, there's harvesting. There may even be crop failures. But you see the key point Jesus makes here is that in order to live as flourishing human beings, we need to remain in him, our vine. It's not good enough for the branches to just be let go and to grow wild. If you've ever seen a grapevine, maybe you've even planted one, you will know that a grapevine is just unruly. You will know that it takes over everything in its path. The branches grow out and they strangle other plants in their, pl- in their way. And when un- unattended, their branches can even strangle its own fruit. It's not enough that the branches just know what to do. There needs to be some training from the gardener. It's not enough for us to just have information about God and to just assume that we will grow and our fruit will come. It's not a box ticking exercise to know God. This is a call to a living of a two-way relationship where we are choosing to remain connected with the vine and the vine will give us the nutrients we need to thrive and produce fruit. And Jesus makes clear that this is the key to a life that bears fruit, that he actually makes a really arduous claim. He says, apart from this reality of remaining in him and he in us, apart from that, we can do nothing. You see, if we want to live lives of fruit bearing, if we want to see renewal come in our lives and to the world around us, we have to start by abiding in him as our source the right source because the reality is is that those words are often at odds with our worldly thoughts and the dream that is sold to us all that the idea of living in this life is meant to be one of contentment of happiness of joy of abundance of overflowing of never ending one where we can choose what vine we're grafted into we get to choose what good for us it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks says or does one of the primary inputs in our culture is that it tells us where we will find contentment where we will find happiness where we will find joy and usually those things are found in the things we consume and we may consume many things and those things are becoming apparent to us right now one thing that's really apparent is the consuming of our services religious services We've taken for granted that we can meet together. We've taken for granted that we will go somewhere and be fed the word of God, that we can go somewhere 
and you know the presence of God will be there, that we can turn up and there will be connection. We don't even have to make a whole lot of effort for that to happen. We're also told that if we purchase the right things, if we buy the right brands, the right experiences, if we consume more stuff, you will be more content and more fulfilled, that you will flourish. Right now, leaving the house for for only the basic necessities for living may be a struggle for you. Maybe you feel that life has lost meaning because of this. We may have also been told that if we have the right job, if we work hard, if we achieve the right status, if we have the right title, we get that promotion, we get that earthly achievement and recognition that we so long for. Our meaning and contentment comes from our, from our employment. But right now we face a time where some of you, my friends will have lost your job already. Some of you may already have been struggling. Some of you will not know what to do with yourself because your contentment comes from your job. But the truth is, my friends, that in this season of stripping, where all is laid bare and there is nothing but God and nothing he asks of us more so than to abide. Everything else can slowly be taken away but the one thing that remains unchanged is he. Maybe in this season there are parts of your branches that are going to be pruned and maybe you feel that that pruning has been thrust upon you. There may be parts of your branches that you know were dead a long time ago, but you've held on to them because you felt that you wouldn't know who you were without those things. Do not fear because those dead branches will not see you through this season. And they won't see you through the next season that you face. God wants to see you flourish. God wants to meet with you. He wants to tend to you. He wants to produce in you the most glorious fruit vine. And all he asks is that you remain in him. You see, the scriptures tell us that the inputs are different. And the fruit that comes isn't a material fruit. It's not the fruit of the world. It's a fruit that lasts. It's the fruit of the kingdom of work, of God, of working in our lives. But here's the thing. We hit a problem because we've tried to live out our faith with all the wrong inputs. And what has happened is that we've reduced our Christian life to simply consuming the religious goods and services available to us. And the truth is that applying that mentality to our Christian life and our faith has been so subtle. We all know the sins of our lives that we struggle with and they're blindly obvious. We may get wrestle with them, we get people to pray for us and we work on them. 
but the sin or temptation to be a Christian consumer is often just very subtle. It's stealth. We often fail to see it in our own hearts. And yet it's this consumeristic version of our faith that has killed in us the call to invest in a deeper relationship with God. We're not called to be consumers. We're not called to be purveyors of religious goods and services. We're called to be his disciples. One-on-one intimate relationship with your heavenly father. Mark Sayers, he's an Australian pastor and he wrote a book called Reappearing Church. It's a wonderful book, particularly for this season. He says this, Consumer culture disciples us to change our external situation through purchasing to bring pleasure, meaning and happiness to our inner world. Contending takes the opposite approach. You see, following Jesus isn't about getting what we want, what makes us feel good. It isn't about letting God have his way, pressing in for what he wants, going back to him as the input and source of all life. He goes on to say this, personal renewals begin in the hidden places, often driven by solitary prayer and self-examination, communion with God, fasting and the habits of secrecy, the uprooting of sinful patterns and confessions with trusted leaders and pastors. Eventually, this inner change of the heart will overflow out into our external lives, creating a potential for renewal in the social world around us. You see, when we settle as consumers, we settle for second best. We're settling for not growing. The kingdom is not advanced when we don't grow. Renewal does not take place when we're not grafted into the vine. And so we are invited to move ourselves from a posture of consuming to a posture of abiding and contending for that place. And abiding, it stretches us, it invites us to create a space for something that we don't know the outcome of right now. But you know, when we look back through the scriptures and through moments in history, we see plenty of difficult crisis moments. But we also see that in these difficult moments in these moments of crisis God moves God has promised that he will use every situation for his good and it's out of these moments of crisis these moments of unrest and seasons when pressing into faith seems to be the last thing on our mind It's in these times in history that God has moved in power. You may be feeling that without your weekly Sunday gathering or your uh, catch up midweek with friends, that your faith has been shaken. It's been uprooted. And you can't possibly be remaining in him. You may feel that without your work, without your title, without your practical outworking of this faith, that you are no longer remaining in him. You may feel that without the ability to just leave your home, to go to the shops, to buy the things you enjoy, you may feel that you're in a place 
of being shaken. But my friends, God is calling you into something bigger. He's calling you into something bigger. He's calling you in this season to remain. And there's a physical outworking of this. You are literally restricted to your home right now. Time can no longer be your excuse to have the relationship with God that you've always wanted. The relationship with God that he has always desired for you. He longs to meet with you. He longs for you to stretch your arms to invite him in. And Jesus often speaks about enormous the enormous blessings of knowing and loving God amidst our community of believers. However, the church was never meant to be an isolated, once a week visited greenhouse to sustain you. We are the church and we are called to be a garden in the midst of this wild world, a garden tended by the most awesome gardener for the pleasure of those around us to be directed to his beauty. Now is the time, church, for some tending to take place, for some pruning, for some grafting, even for some harvesting. The invitation is that you would abide in him. And you might be thinking that you just don't know how. You don't know how to connect with God. Invite him. Invite him to come and meet with you. There are some great resources that you can find online to help you in this time to learn how to connect with God. One really trusted source is the Vineyard Training Platform. It has a host of resources to teach and to train. This can help you just in your daily life, learn how to posture yourself to connect with God. The daily examine is one example of that. And there are other resources that can be found on the website to connect with God. And it's completely free. There's no excuse. Sign up, have some fun, begin to discover a new and deeper connection with God. One that encourages you to bear fruit fruit that has seeds, that brings multiplication to the kingdom. Let us pray as we finish up. Father God, we just invite you. We invite you, Lord Jesus, into this journey of abiding. We want to know you more. We want to know you more. We want in this season to be transformed. And through that transformation, Lord, you will produce fruit. Fruit that produces seeds, that brings multiplication to your kingdom. Father, there's no one, no thing but you that is unshaken in this season. You are the only thing that we can put our trust in. You are the only thing that we have to abide in. Extend your hand. Upon us in this season, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen.
So, dear friends, thank you for joining us again this week and we look forward to seeing you again next week for our Easter service.